Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. And welcome into episode 53 of Poke the Bear, the Seth Griffiths episode. Maybe the greatest Legend. goal of the last decade, skill wise, for the Bruins. So he uh, he will live on and started, in, up, started uh, off hot. It kind of went did. downhill. But he did. He did. That was a, always have the highlight, though. After Horton was gone, that was one of the uh, potential uh, David Krejci right wing experiments. Is Seth Griffiths the right guy for uh, for Krejci's right side? But anyways, I'm Evan Marinovsky alongside Connor Ryan. Connor, how we doing? Evan, doing well. How you doing? I'm doing great. How's Washington? Because I know you're still there. Uh, it must be fun. It's been lovely. It's been 70 degrees and sunny pretty much every day I've been here. So enjoying quite a bit. Got up very early for Don Sweeney's press conference here on Thursday. So that's something you get used to on the West Coast. Is East Coast is not nearly as friendly in terms of your your, your sleep schedule, I guess. But uh, it's been great, though. It's good, good to get out here. Good to see another part of the country. Yeah, the pictures you've been posting on your Instagram have been spectacular i mean those look amazing those look just they're like just, uh, you'd see in dorchester yeah just a little bit more impressive than the blue hills kind of like the quincy quarries actually but mm. i think if if you didn't you didn't know you didn't put the geo tag in you couldn't you couldn't tell the difference between the north cascades and the quincy quarries so looks like the mystic river i mean come on uh <laughs> yeah, sure. any hey all respect to the mystic river mystic river's fun time um okay so there's a lot to discuss there's a lot that's going on this is fun we haven't had we haven't had this much news to cover in like a month, even though we, this is probably more news <laughs> than we combined in one episode than we had for all of our episodes during like the COVID times um, when we were just like grasping at stuff to try to make, you know, episodes out of. Um, so Seattle expansion draft was Wednesday night. Kraken surprised a lot of people. Uh, obviously, they were surprising with the Bruins pick. We all thought it was going to be Clifton. They picked Jeremy Lowe's on. You look around the league, there were a lot of picks that we did not expect them to make. Uh, when we heard there were no trades either to announce, we were everyone was pretty stunned. That's a pretty mediocre at best roster. Yeah, no. As as soon as all those trades or those picks got announced, I think the conventional thinking was it was going to be similar to Vegas, where it's like, all right, they Vegas once they announce all these trades, once the roster fr- freeze was lifted, all right, this team was going to have like seven or eight first round picks on Friday, right? We thought that was going to be the case. Really nothing. So it's definitely surprising for, I think, especially the the Kraken fans where it's like, all right, you need some interest to get drummed up, right? You know, the only time you really saw like the, you know, people get, get excited was when it's, you know, a Giordano or 
Everlay or, or something like that, but like passed on quite a few really good guys. And uh, we need to see what their strategy is. I don't think we can fully map it out until we get to the end of the off season, because um, obviously they still have some good pieces. They've got a bunch of cap space, so who knows what they do, but it's also going to be a bit of an issue, I think, for teams like the Bruins who have a lot of cap space where all of a sudden you have a team like the Kraken thrown into the fray who have almost 30 million in cap room. Like, the Bruins are already put themselves in a pretty good spot this offseason, considering so few teams have, you know, cap flexibility to be able to target a lot of these free agents. All of a sudden you have Seattle who not really in the same place as you, like the Bruins are trying to sign one or two guys to put them over the top. Seattle's looking to fill out like multiple holes in their roster and they've got the cap to do it. So it's one thing if, you know, let's say the Bruins are targeting like a guy like Blake Coleman, which I don't know if it's the move anyway, because of, you know, how much he could cost, but Bruins could offer him, four four and a half like Seattle could just drop like five and a half six million on this dude and wouldn't blink an eye right so it's definitely you know how they go about building this roster could definitely impact the Bruins and you know it's definitely uh going to be interesting how they map out this team because if we look you know going into October and this team still has these these guys that I mean there was four or five guys who I had to look up on like elite prospects who they were oh so, like, I, you, I hadn't heard of some of these guys for sure so when you look at like the team and who they could have added, you know, maybe we'll look five years from now and be like, well, thank God they didn't add Tarasenko's contract or what have you. But for a fan, especially a casual fan to pass up on a guy like Tarasenko, who's at least, you know, a, a noteworthy name, a guy who can put, put the puck in the net. Definitely interesting to see kind of the approach they take. So we'll, I think we'll get more clarity for sure. Once the, um, once the off season kind of wraps up here. That was one of the ones I didn't really understand because you have the cap space. He's a marketable name. You don't have many marketable names on this team outside of Giordano, maybe Eberle, like Dreger's not a, not a Alexiak. Yeah. Like, like Vianney Gord, but that was a third line center in Tampa. Like the, the, who's probably their first line center now. Who's going to be the first line center. Who's out until November, by the way. Yes. So I just, I would have thought they would have taken Tarasenko just from the marketability standpoint. And also, teams were willing to trade with the Kraken for Tarasenko. That was the other thing. You could have maybe gotten something in return for Tarasenko if you didn't really want to keep him. And if you wanted to retain a little bit of the salary, which they could have done. So I was very surprised. Uh, and they did. I thought they'd take Max Domi. They didn't take him. I thought they'd take Dylan DeMello. They didn't take him. Uh, there were just some guys that I was, like, surprised that they didn't take. Um, that would have made sense. Smart to pass on Johansson and Duchesne down in Nashville. I mean, that was kind of, we expected that. But Tarasenko, I would have thought, smart to pass on Price. By the way, gotta love Frank Saravalli and the rest of the guys up in, just the rest of the porters up in Canada. Ass. Just going scorched earth. Like, nope, you're not getting any of this. This is, this is all leaking before. And then ESPN right. pretending like none of that had ever happened. So I, I, I was impressed that they just went with like, oh, we don't know who the pick is. I thought at that point they would just admit it, which again, I have no problem with like the reporters breaking the news, but like the NHL had to know better to like not have like a, a 10 hour window between these players and their agents and their camp knowing this. It's going to come out like it, it just the way they handled that was crazy. But the fact that ESPN just ran with it of like, who could it be? As we all knew, Jimmy, every single pick was hysterical. Every pick. And then Steve Eiserman was the one who held out the longest with the Red Wings. And that eventually came out. I just didn't know. Like, I guess the smart move would be submit the list like an hour before. So you have time to tell the players or whatnot and then do the thing. Or I don't, I don't know. Cause I know they wanted to tell the guys. They wanted to tell players that they'd been selected. 
but I mean, they don't do that with like the entry draft. Like, so why not just like submit the list and then immediately go on stage and do the show? Um, right. or, or, you know, and I know some of the things were pre-recorded. So then like, mm-hmm. like obviously Kevin Weeks wasn't in all those places <laughs> in Weeks that one hour. Seattle in the span of an hour. Yeah. He was on the space needle down Pike place. He had a police escort from place to place, but. <laughs> Anyways, they, the Bruins lose Jeremy Lozon. Um, obviously, we all expected Clifton to be the one to go. But what, way better case scenario in the sense that you just the Bruins had uh, more depth on the left side than they do on the right. Now, you, the right side seems to be taking shape for the season. You still need one more right shot defenseman, most likely. But if you go into the season on the right side with McAvoy, Carlo, Clifton, that's not terrible. That's fine. You know, that's that's all right. You just need some more depth there behind Clifton. Now the left side though is hurting because you, and it already was hurting. You have Grizzlick, Riley, Sweeney said earlier on Thursday with the negotiations there, they were in constant contact, but you know, he might get a better offer. They have Saboral, they have John Moore. You need one or two more now on that left side. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things where I think going into it, I think we said Clifton, but we figured it was going to be between him and Lozon. Not really a surprise at all. They take a guy like Lozon. I mean, He's got history with Leach, cost-controlled player that uh, we'll see where he fits in on Seattle's lineup because they drafted so many defensemen. But still, he's a guy that projects at the very least to be a you know a regular third-pairing guy, a PK guy. So for the Bruins, just from a pure depth perspective, even if they were going to add two guys on the left side this offseason, which they should, Lozon still had value as a either depth piece or a guy that still they think can compete for that third-pairing role. So. It's definitely a loss for the Bruins. Again, if you lost Clifton, I think it just would have made things maybe a bit more complicated in that it raises the urgency of you to get a legitimate, you know, not a, a top four guy, but a, a guy that they can slot into that third pairing role because they really wouldn't have anyone there if Clifton was gone. So all of a sudden then you're probably, you know, paying for a guy like Hakampa, who they still could do, but the the stakes are raised if you don't get him. If you add Hakampa to this team now, that's great. He's a guy that, will probably compete with Clifton and, you know, he's a good addition to this team. If you didn't have Clifton and you get outbid by, cause Seattle offers 2 million to Akampah or something, then you're in a tough spot where, I mean, is it like Brady Lyle? Are you looking at like a, a younger guy to step in there? So, uh, you know, Lozon's still a tough loss, but Clifton as a whole probably would complicate things a bit more if he was off the team, just from a pure roster perspective. Yeah. So again, I, I don't mind the pick, you know, I'm not someone who's like, Oh my God, you lost Lozon. Like, it's fine. You know, you move on. It just presses you to get better on the left side, which you had to anyways, you know, whether that be Suter or no, no more Alexiak, um, mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, Jake McCabe, McCabe or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's not many. There's Alec, run out. Yeah, yeah. Alec Martinez, but that's going to be, he's going to be overpaid a bunch. Um, mm-hmm. someone mentioned Nate Schmidt. A trade with uh, the Canucks that could that could happen that could yeah. work. I mean, again, I thought that was something they should have done last off season because he went for like what a third round pick or something. I believe it was a third round pick. Yeah, third round pick. So that, would, but maybe the price will be lower now. Who knows? Um, but yes, Nate Schmidt uh, could be another guy that they go after. Moral of the story: they need to get better on the left side on defense. That's a safe bet. You know what else is a safe bet? Going to our friends over at Bet Online. Absolutely, Evan. Listen up, guys. It's an exciting time of the year around the sports world. Red Sox are playing. Patriots training camp is right around the corner. And soon, the Bruins and the Celtics will be back. Even if you haven't made it back to Fenway just yet, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. 
matter how the schedules change the plays that play, BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online. We even have an exclusive promo code for our loyal listeners. So go to BetOnline and enter promo code CLMS50, that's C-L-N-S-50, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You heard me. A 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Evan, even out here in Washington, people will be telling me no one beats that. That's crazy. It's global. Nobody beats that. So what are you guys waiting for? Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great bonuses, offers, and contests available right now. Again, enter promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Go there now. It's funny. I put out a funny Twitter question yesterday. If the Bruins had an expansion draft, uh, who would be the people that they would announce? You know, who would, who would be the people that uh, announce the picks? And some of the answers I was reading through just now, you know, funny, you know, funny stuff. Your cousin from Boston and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, just the, 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 you know, Mark Wahlbergs of the world, which obviously you'd expect. Um, but yeah, funny to think about because Seattle obviously had Macklemore and, uh, you know, uh, Sean Kemp. <laughs> with Jonas Donskoy, which was tremendous. They, they, they set him up to fail, though. They did They did Sean dirty on that one. Oh, yes. They gave him a shirt that was like three sizes too small. Yeah, they, 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 yeah I don't know who had a vendetta against. Maybe someone like lost money when the Bulls beat the Sonics in that NBA Finals, but they did pour Sean Kemp dirty in that whole, that whole broadcast. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But anyways, uh, on to, can, you know, this is pretty hard news, I would say. Uh, both Darren Drager and Frank Cervelli have reported that the Taylor Hall signing is pretty much almost done. Uh, Don Sweeney even said on Thursday morning they've made significant progress, which means it's pretty much done. Um, yeah, there's a good chance that by the time this podcast drops, he very well could be signed. So, yes, we will treat it as he's been signed to a four year deal in the neighborhood of six million per. They say the, the value of the contract, both Drager and Cervelli reported that it was about 24 million in total. Uh, so four, so let's say four years, six million per. Pretty good. That's pretty yeah. pretty good. That's not bad. That could have been again. We uh, I heard or you know the, some of the reports that there were five six years, and even then I was like, mm-hmm. no, it's all right. You know, like mm-hmm. it's a tradable deal at five to six million per. But four years, that's that's his prime right there, and six million per. That's not bad either. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think we talked about this before on Bruins beef that if he was on the open market and was trying to max out his value, which I think he's re- recouped quite a bit from his short time in Boston, he could easily make seven, seven and a half million, especially with a team like Seattle, like with all their, their cap space. So again, I was going to be totally fine with it if he signed for six million at six years, seven years. Like if he wanted the, if he wanted the security, I think you just bite the bullet and that, you know, you're still going to get quite a few good years from him who knows what happens in the post Bergeron era, but that contract is going to get better over time just because of the fact that, um, you know, the cap's going to be rising over the coming years. So six million gets more and more palatable as you go along with that money on the books, but having a four year window where you can max out this one to two year kind of stretch you have here where you could have a legitimate chart of the cup plus going forward, you know, uh, whatever steps they take, whether it's a full-blown rebuild, whether it's a major retooling, like who knows, maybe they get Markov or something and, and they can kind of retool on the fly. You have a legitimate 
top six winger and Hall in place for that kind of uh, stretch here where you still think you're a viable contender. And to do that at $6 million is, I think, a great move for the Bruins. Not only is it free up money or, or it gives you plenty of, you know, cap flexibility, you still got a guy in Hall who, you know, let's say Krejci's back and Smith's there or they get another, you know, guy like a Gowland, what have you. If all those guys stay healthy, like Taylor Hall is probably a good guy to pencil in for 25, 30 goals, 70 plus points, right? That's well within range for him to do if he's on that team, especially if maybe they have him in a a more featured power play role if they kind of switch that top unit up a little bit. So um, to sign that, to get him on board for $6 million for a guy that not really surprised because even like before he played a game, he mentioned how, you know, much he valued Boston, like his fit here. And I think for him, no longer having to be the guy meant quite a bit for him. So to have him, you know, back in the fold, hopefully by the time this podcast drops, um, it's definitely, I think, a, a huge move for the Bruins. And it's one key piece down to start what should be a busy offseason. The other step is David Krejci. They're still waiting to hear from. But uh, I think that's the other key piece that really is going to determine how viable this team's contentions odds are. But just to have Hall in the fold on a contract like that is a great move for the Bruins. You also mentioned uh, Barkov, and I think that kind of uh, encompasses all free agent centers. You don't have a selling piece. Because, again, for a long time, the Bruins, it was, well, the first line's untouchable. We're not, you know, that's not getting broken up. It's, you know, Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak. You're not getting on that line. It's the, you know, you're going to be a second-line center. Like Tavares will be a second-line center. And I think you'd, I would assume it'd be the same for Barkov, but that's, you know, maybe Bergeron they don't bring back. I don't know. But you now have a winger in Hall on that second line who is basically elite who you can now say to free agent centers, hey, you get to play with Taylor Hall. You get to play with Taylor freaking Hall. That's a big selling point to free agents. That also is a big selling point to free agents if they're going to sign a guy on the right side of that line. You know, if they want to go for a right winger, whether it be a Connor Garland um, or others. I know Garland's trade, not free agents, but you know what I mean, just right wingers in general. So that's a big selling point. The other thing that's interesting from the Taylor Hall deal. So let's say they bring back Krejci. Let's say they bring Rex Smith. That leaves DeBrusque out of the, out of the top six. Now, I just did some quick math. Right now on your third line, you don't know who's going to be on the right side of the third line. But let's say the, let's say DeBrusque doesn't get traded. Let's say it's DeBrusque, Coyle, and I don't know. We're not going to put anybody there. So it's uh, Coyle and DeBrusque. 5.25 million plus 3.675 million. And that's two-thirds of your third line. That's not great. That's not amazing spending. Which is why I wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like DeBrusque get moved. Uh, after this Taylor Hall deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think they definitely have to, as much cap space as they have, they have to be smart with how much money they're allocating. And if they can shear off some of that cap, it makes plenty of sense considering whether that's moving to Brusque, which is probably the most realistic offer. Um, curious that Sweeney said on Thursday that they're planning on qualifying all their RFAs, which, uh, you know, for a guy like Richie, you, you're wondering what they're going to do there. But for a guy like Kasha, where he's, I think, 2.6 million is his cap hit so you'd think they wouldn't qualify him and at the very least you then renegotiate for a league minimum deal or like a, a tryout contract considering his health so we'll see what happens there because if they just qualify him and he gets that 2.6 million that's up against the cap doesn't seem that great for a guy that even if let's say he's healthy next year and he comes back and that's great especially just for him in terms of his health He's not a guy that I think you sign one at that rate and a two, a guy that you go into the year penciling him in as like a, a middle six guy. 
if he gives you anything and most importantly, he's healthy, that's great. And if he like, be, you know, fights for a middle six spot in camp, that's awesome. But to go into the season, allocating that money to him with the expectation that he could be a guy that you're hoping is a 20 goal guy or a 15 goal guy, a lot of risk there and doesn't really cool, you know, mesh with this kind of win now window that they're in you just can't trust the his injury history again it's concussions like this isn't mm-hmm. you know for a guy like him who i mean remember that miles wood hit didn't look horrible to the naked eye it's no. clear that there's something really wrong there um i don't know if 2.6 is which one allocate towards that um and again kasha you know when he came here analytics darling looked to have a lot of potential looked like a good fit in his time on the ice uh he looked pretty solid but again, the injuries, the injuries, the injuries, the injuries. Um, so moving on, uh, one thing that's getting forgotten a lot this week with all the moves, all the signings, with the expansion draft, this is actually another draft. The regular entry draft is Friday night, and the Bruins do have a first-round pick, 21st overall. So they'll be picking 21st overall for the first time since, what, 2019? Yes, yep. Johnny Beecher. Johnny Beecher was the last one. They didn't have one in 18. I remember correctly. 17 yeah, was. Yes, yeah, that's right. Zach and I was 17. 16. Did they have one in 16? Well, they, had, they had Freddie, which was. Frederick. Trent Frederick. And, and uh, McAvoy. Oh, my God. Wow. It is, I've been spending too much time in the sun. You're right. You forget that McAvoy was, uh, was drafted that. I don't know how I forgot that. And then what happened in 2015? What happened at the 2015 first round again? I, I'm, I'm blanking they on did, that. They, they, didn't, they didn't have one. They had no wild. picks. Had no picks. Weird. No, they didn't have a draft. Oh, that's weird. right. They did no draft. No draft. They they only just, was like, you know what? Like, it's do we? No, it was next year. It was, no, it was really it. weird. It was like it was really put together. It looked like he filmed it like in his basement and just had that weird presser. It was, but felt bad for do? the kids. Felt bad for the kids who were supposed to be drafted in 2015. They just never got drafted. Never happened. Yeah, it's, you know, and they're just working at Tim Hortons now. It's it's, it's a shame. It is a shame. Hopefully they got raised to Tim Hortons. Mm. Um, anyways, they pick in the first round. What do they go after? Well, it's going to be interesting to see what they do at number 20 because, I mean, this whole draft is weird anyway because it's not the most top-heavy loaded draft. We're not looking at like a, a 2015 draft or anything like that where there's a lot of legit players um, or, or guys that map out at least at the start to being, you know, top six talents or what have you. But that being said, considering there were so few scouts on the ground this year with COVID, you know, seasons were canceled overseas and juniors, all that stuff. It could be a situation where we have quite a few guys that in five, 10 years, we look for now and be like, how did they drop to 15 to 25 to out of the first round? I think we can see quite a few of that. So there's an opportunity for the Bruins to get a really intriguing guy at number 20. So in terms of what they target, Obviously, the one that makes the most sense is center because that's what they've been focusing on for the last few years with with Bergeron and Cridge not getting any any younger. Um, so there's a few guys out there that that make sense if they're looking at center. There's uh, Francesco Pinelli uh, from the CHL, which Bruins haven't drafted a lot of Canadians recently, but there's a lot of Canadian centers around that time. Um, it's, a, it's a shame because they're probably going to miss out on that tier of, of centers that they're probably looking for, like a Cole Sillinger from the NTDP. Um, there's a few other guys that are, you know, in the queue or um, in the OHL. I mean, you've got like Xavier Borgold, who's high scoring guy, um, which, you know, we'll see how that translates going from 
junior to to the pros and what have you there. There's Atu, I, I think it's Atu Rati or Ratty, but he's he's a finished center. Uh, interesting case. He was more or less considered the odds on pick to be the number one overall pick going into the year and just had a dreadful year. I mean, really struggled in Finland. I think he got cut from the world junior team, which is not good for a guy who's supposed to be the number one overall pick. So he's a, a definitely a boomer bust guy that stock has dropped that maybe you take a flyer on him. Um, so there's a few centers out there that, that could be intriguing. I think from the Bruins perspective though, if you're looking at not, maybe need you're just focused on either best player available or you just need to inject some like scoring talent into the, the team, you probably might be better off like focusing on wingers because there's going to be quite a few like high skilled guys that could be available for them. And I think obviously the guy they hope would fall to them is Matthew Coronado, who's probably mapped out at around, you know, 12 to 16 around that range, but he's a typical undersized uh, forward, but, Filled with skill. Uh, if they if he fell to them, I think they'd be overjoyed just because I think you need that guy who you can watch the highlight reel every week and be like, all right, this guy's stacking up points. You need you need a, a guy like that added to the mix. So whether it's a guy like him, uh, there's a few guys overseas that are, are talented. There's an Isaac Rosen who's a really speedy Swedish winger who he's I think only weighs like 155 pounds, so he's gonna add on some bulk, uh, but still look at the highlight reel you look at the skill it's evident there so they could look at that and uh at number 22 they could also find a pretty legitimate you know defenseman who maps out as a top four guy if they want to focus on that area so on the right side you got Corson Kuhlmans which would be just hysterical because he'd be on the same team as Carson Coleman it would be like a Danton Heinen Dante Hanun mix um and there's also Carson Lambos who's a Really intriguing pick. Um, big left shot defenseman. Um, was projected to be a potential top 10 pick going into the year. Missed most of the year with a leg injury. So his stock has dropped a bit that if he's available for the Bruins at number 20, you've already got the right side more or less set up for the future with, uh, you know, McAvoy and Kahlo. But if you add Lambos, who had top 10 potential to that left side, You've got, you know, maybe a guy in Lorai who's developing along the way. You at least have a, a good pipeline of defensemen in, on the way. So they can go in a whole bunch of different directions. I feel like defensemen and winger maybe has the most potential there, but we'll see what they do. And if a center drops like Cylinder, then things can change. But they'll have options there for sure. It's, you just hope that they don't go off the board and get a guy who maybe has a, a better floor but a, a lower ceiling. Because I think especially now you just need to – whether it's an undersized forward that can score or a, a defenseman who drops a bit, I think you need to get the best player available and just add some talent to this pool of players. You're telling me they shouldn't go after like a you know third line center and juniors who uh, is really good in his own zone. They they shouldn't uh, go after one of those guys. I it's mean, funny. It will, yeah. You know what's weird about this draft is uh, given what you mentioned about the scouting scouting and not being able to be there in person, given that there's a lot of mixed reviews on Owen Power as the first overall pick, you know, a, a lot of people are saying it should be him. The advanced analytics community is kind of like, I don't really know if that's the guy. Um, mm-hmm. I almost wouldn't want to have one of the first like yeah. two or three picks this year. You almost want to be somewhere in the middle of the first round because, again, this year, as you said, might be a crapshoot. Might be a complete crapshoot of guys falling to places they shouldn't have fallen to. You know, you'll see some early second round picks turn into NHL regulars. So, yeah, I mean, I also want the Bruins, again, 
pick obviously you need center depth, but pick the best guy available at some point. Like this is something I feel like they never do. Um, and I'm not a, I'm by no means a draft expert. I'm not the person to go to on, uh, on different names and different people, but I would say that like pick the best guy available or, you know, as, as, as you've said, you know, if a guy like Sillinger falls, a top centerman falls, like you need to, you need center depth. So there's a lot of areas this team needs. And again, this kind of enhances the whole fact of like the cup window is now like, if, if the draft is a reminder of anything, it's that like, you need to win now. I'm not saying that you're going to get a guy who's going to help you win now in the draft. But what I'm saying is like, you could get a center, but you also need some really skilled wingers and you also could help with defensive depth. You need, the point is like, you need to keep going all in because mm-hmm. one guy is not going to replenish the farm system. Um, and again, they could do that later in rounds, you know, Bruce Bergeron was a second round pick. It's funny. The NHL uh, posted a picture recently of the 2003 draft prospects um, and Bergeron wasn't in it because he was a second round pick, but I looked at the 03 draft. Cause I was like, what pick was Bergeron at? He was 53 in the second round. Do you know who the Bruins first round pick was that year? Mark Stewart. Ooh. Mark Stewart was the Bruins first round pick that year. He was picked over. I think Ryan Kessler. Um, mm-hmm. I forget. I mean, they obviously got picked over Bergeron too, um, but just Mike, Rich- Mike Richards, Corey Mike Perry. Richards. Yeah, Corey Perry was the other one later in that Louis draft. Louis Erickson. Ooh, Petrov McGuire is uh, squirming listening to that. Shea but no, Weber, I, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> that 03 draft was stacked. <laughs> stacked. And the Bruins got Mark Stewart. Who who was Mark Stewart traded for? Was he traded to Atlanta for Peverly? Um, God. No. No, 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 no. It was... um. That was Blake Wheeler and... um. There's another defenseman traded for Peverly, I think. It was no, it was it was it was uh, the Peverly deal. Uh, February 2011, Stewart was traded by Boston to the Thrashers, along with Blake Wheeler for Peverly and Boris. Yeah, okay, no, this is okay. This so is Mark Stewart helped win you a cup. I, yeah. I give him credit for that. There you go. There wasn't a waste of a first round pick. You got to you got to steal the cup out of it technically. Um, but yeah, I always like to look back at drafts and look at the hits and misses, especially 03, because that was had a lot of hits, especially in the first two rounds. Uh, but anyways. That is today's episode of Poke the Bear, episode 53. Uh, Connor, before we go, what can the people look forward to over at BSJ? Yeah, we're going to obviously have, I think it's going to be a very busy couple of days once this roster freeze gets lifted as we're recording this podcast. I think we're, I'm on West Coast time, but I think we're less than an hour away from the freeze getting lifted and all hell breaking loose. (laughs) So um, we'll have all the up-to-date news over there, over at BSJ. And of course, we'll have all the draft coverage from rounds one through seven uh, throughout this weekend as well. So follow us over at bostonsportional.com for all that news. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that for Sealand Less Media. I'm Evan Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan. You poke the bear listeners. Have a great rest. Have a day. (laughs) 